Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Cool. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, here we are again in the rugby dungeon. Well, I am. Uh, I'm Tim with JB. Hello, Tim. I'm uh, down the line on the from the TMO shipping Egg Chasers TMO shipping container. It's Phil. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Hello. Right, right this is the first of well, at least two podcasts that are coming in your feed this week, uh, but certainly. Uh, we've got two, at least two podcasts. This one today is all about the International Games, the Autumn Nations Cup uh, that happened over the weekend. And we will have another podcast dedicated to domestic rugby uh, coming as well. So hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. I use CastBox. What are you on, JB? That's a great question. I use Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts. Phil? Pocket Casts is superb, superb app, actually. And I, I am Player FM, which go. I also very much like. So it's three different... Why, why do you like Player FM, Phil? I don't know. I've, just, I've used it for a long time now. It's got quite a user-friendly interface. It's nice and easy. It um, allows me to change up so I can play back either as they come into my feed or individual episodes from back to front or front to back, depending on if you're listening to a series or, or something that's a bit more time-critical. It just works. Ah, so I like mine because I can... On different devices, I can log in and it restores all my podcast listening history. Yeah. Oh, the opposite of deleting your internet uh, history. Which, of course, we should regularly. all do. We should all do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm sure other podcast providers do this, but I like CastBox because of the listen quicker function. So, do I can get, so I can get more podcast listening done. I usually listen at 1.5. No, you don't. I've do. always wondered what pervert would, would ever do that. I do. It's quite if you if you right now if you listen at half speed, it will sound like we're all absolutely hammered. That that would be my little recommendation. I can't believe you're that person. Oh yeah. Well, it's time. Life's too short. Too much to do in a day. So many great podcasts that well that we produce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get subscribed wherever you get yours and uh, and get following. Hey, hey, gen- gentlemen, if you if you uh, and have a look now in your podcast feed and see what it says. Can you see that it says season seven. Oh, well done. So this is our Seven, seventh year. Seven. Seventh year of talking nonsense. Seventh, yeah. Oh, this, that, that's bonkers, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, it's not really... I mean, it's seven years... Well, we started yeah, part, part way through the 20... Was it 20... I think it was 2015, wasn't it? Just before the World Cup. 
Yeah. No, 2013, wasn't it? 2013, yeah, because it was two years before the World was Cup. Was it? We covered the World Cup from the, from the rugby dungeon. Oh, yes. So there's at least four years in here. Oh, yeah, because I've been sacked by then. Yeah. It, 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 it's <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't use those multi-million pound uh, radio studios by that point. Yeah, it was annoying. <laughs> that. It, it's a strange thing because, um, you know, I, I still don't think podcasts get nearly the credit that they deserve. I mean, they obviously are doing better now, more people. In fact, everyone has one now. Uh, but I, you know, I, I kind of think of um, things like the Rugby Union Writers Club, which I wasn't even allowed to, to join for the record. Uh, I, they should be beating a path to our door. They, they shouldn't be not inviting us. They should be giving us like, lifetime achievement awards and all sorts. But there you go. Well, I think we can. I looked into this because as we were starting season seven, I did think about this earlier and I've checked it out. And we are the longest running rugby podcast on planet Earth. Uh, yeah, comfortably. And in terms of content uh, created, I think we've got more hours of content than The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, gen- genuinely. We should look into that. <laughs> anyway, we've got some exciting things planned for Season 7. In spite of everything going on in the world right now and the, the limitations that puts on everything, I just want you to know we've got lots of plans in the pipeline. And in fact, the first part of that, one of the big building blocks of that, we're going to reveal next weekend. Excellent. Looking mm. forward to that. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's uh, let's crack on with this autumn in, autumn nations cup, uh, these internationals. Firstly, just overall, how are you enjoying the competition and the the matchups and the and the games compared to an autumn series in normal times? Uh, I have to admit, sadly, I have to admit because I was very very down on the idea of this competition. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, like really enjoying it. I, th- I think so far the games, uh, but the games could have been better. They could have been worse. You know, the games are fine. Um, I'm just really enjoying the structure of it, and I really like the idea of how it's going to um, culminate at the end. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, the, the big caveat obviously being we would have loved to have seen Fiji. Of course, yes. That, that's the biggest problem for me. Well, no, there's two problems with it. Um, that and there have been a couple of damp squib games. Um, I mean that that Wales Georgia game last night was um, God. It was hard going to well, stick no, with that for the, for the, well, for the full on, eighty. Phil. That was tough. I think it was. I think that game was perfect because that that we wanted more tier two rugby. Yeah, and we got it in that match. And by the way, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was pure tier two. Um, I thought Georgia held up really really well and yes it is a second string welsh side but i thought they did marvelously well um it's to be expected you know if you're going to throw them in the deep end it's going to be expected so, so okay so and, and overall on the tournament phil um i like jay i quite like the simplicity of it and i like the culmination in a final that you you basically each team has two important games and one kind of free hit out and then you've got the final week, so it's it's not bad. Um, and as I've said before, fully understand the importance just just to get some international rugby in the calendar at the moment to get some money in the coffers of um, all of the unions. Yeah, from a financial point of view, yeah, totally get it. It's great that Georgia and Fiji are involved. That's fantastic. Um, I don't know whether it's the lack of crowd or whether it's the matchups, but I've. I've never been so lacking in enthusiasm for games. I still watch them mm. because it's rugby and I love the game, but I'm not excited. I've got to say, I'm not excited. This, I, was, I went for a walk just before the podcast and I was thinking about 
this week's games. And I've got a completely different feel about this week's games compared to last week's games. Last week I was with you, I was like, Christ, do I have to do how long how much longer do I need to do this? Maybe I'll just maybe we'll just call it a day at season eight. But um <laughs> this week has been completely different. I think the spectre of two awesome teams like Ireland and England going at it really piqued my interest. As did, as did the Premiership returning, to be fair. And mm-hmm. a cracking game in the morning between Australia and Argentina. Ar- Ar- Argentina. So I'm not quite as down on it as you, but I think if you asked me that last week, I would have probably been with you there, Tim. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm going to... I didn't watch all of Wales-Georgia because I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. And by that point, I'd watched... About four games, yeah, of, but four full games of rugby. You know, you've watched so much rugby in your life. This, this is how I look at it. You've watched so much rugby in your life. There's not really much you're going to learn about the Wales Georgia game. You might, you might look at it the last ten minutes and say, "Oh yeah, that was an interesting thing that happened," but unlikely. The chances are, by the time you've watched the first forty minutes of it, you know exactly how it went, exactly how um, uh, how it's going to go, and you've learned everything you need to know about that about that game. I don't, I don't even think you need to watch it. Well, I caught, I caught, I did catch up and, and watch bits and bobs, and it was a little even Scotland France. I don't want to feel down on it because I'm really excited that we have rugby to watch. I, I, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest that without maybe it is just the crowds. Scotland France was good. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was. It was a different game to what I was expecting. Yeah, me I, too. I was I was really excited for it because it's two teams that like to play fast, free flowing rugby, and it just didn't quite. There was there was little moments of that, but it it felt very stop start. Mm. And it's a question for you two because you two um, know forwards play a lot more than than I do. But has the standard of the line out been very <laughs> poor? Great or, question. Or has it been the standard of the line-out defence has just been so good? Yeah, it's not the defence, I don't think. Okay. Because it, 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 it seems like line-outs right throughout this tournament, and even going back to the um, the uh, culmination of the Six Nations line-out, it, it seems like virtually every team has struggled with their line-outs. And I can't, in my simplistic back's mind, I can't work out whether the teams are just bad and rusty and not executing well, or if the, the defense is just because they 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 understand their opposition so well they're just reading so frequently and disrupting all the time yeah let me be very clear on that one um in terms of being rusty i understand if you're rusty around the contact area or on live rocks i kind of get that completely i think it's completely inexcusable for you to be rusty at the lineup because there's so many controllables that you have that means that you should basically be not winning everything because there's someone trying to stop you, but winning a good majority yeah, of your ball. And also to add to that, in terms of if if you added up how much time you spend in training on certain areas versus the time that actually happens in a game, lineups and scrums get disproportionately the most attention of now, any area of the game. That's an interesting point you raise, okay? And I'm not saying it's not true because it I, it is undeniably true in a lot of organisations. But do you think the more that the, the cult of skills ravages our, our game, all skills, all open play, this, that, and the other, the more that that happens, do you th- I do think that line-outs and set-piece do start to get neglected. It's almost a fashionable view, like, yeah, we don't do uh, line-outs and scrums anymore, we just do all-round gameplay. And I think the Island game in particular was a really, really good example of why that sort of thought towards the game is starting to become a bit backwards because Ireland you know I'm sure they can play in open play not that they showed it but if you mess up your line outs in critical situations that set piece it is absolutely critical so uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I would like to see if that has actually had any kind of effect. Just, just on that point, do you think, where do you think that comes into the game, as in that view of um, skill, skill, skills above all else, to the detriment of set oh, piece? Exactly. I don't, I don't think it comes in at at this level or even several levels beneath this level. Oh, I think it does. I absolutely think it does. Yeah. So, if, certainly, if you're looking at, um, you know, level eight, say. I know that's not not what you asked, but there is a you know there is a propensity for coaches and the RFU thought behind it as well is oh yeah you know everyone just go out and play and throw offloads and make good decisions yeah that that good decision thing is a is a nightmare when actually you just want to be you actually just want to be just want to be drilling things but I, you know if you look at wasps wasps will claim that they do most of their training just you know game based so it, there definitely is something to it. I I don't think that 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 is happening. Uh, I, I mean, you, you just look in the warm ups of games, and they're doing they do more line outs. They probably do two or three times as many line outs in the warm up as they do in the whole game. Yeah, probably actually, probably. So if if that's a sort of a metric for how it is the rest of the week, I think they'll and it, yeah. And it, it's something that um, England is definitely not something that England are focusing on. And it's it's actually noticeable this week, uh, as it was last week in my mind, that England were were trying to be as physically dominant as they possibly could be. Yes, yeah, and I, I think um, Eddie Jones even referenced it in his post match press conference. He said they wanted to impose themselves. There were certain things they were to do, including impose themselves. I love it physically on Ireland, and. They did it. And, and to use a phrase that you use um, frequently, JB, England went out there to bully Ireland up front That's exactly for, eight, right. for 80 minutes. And that is what they did for the majority of that 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. piece that together with Eddie Jones last week before the Georgia game, talking about he, he was hyping up the big scrum test and what a physical battle. You know exactly what this is all about. This is, this is still rebuilding the confidence from the ground up after a World Cup final that they were all devastated to have lost. Mm. And that though that those are the building blocks. Eddie Jones is spending four years making sure that the same thing can't happen again. So I've got so many thoughts on this. So first of all, I love the idea that you go out and beat people up. I you know that's a how it that's exactly how it should be. I simultaneously hate the idea and I was reading a tweet today. Someone sent me sent me a tweet about England. And it's something along the lines of um It'd be nice if a coach could go and outthink England. I thought, what a stupid tweet. Because, like, could Rory Underwood have outthought Jonah Lomu just as he was running over him? Or, you know, could the Australian props have outthought Andrew Sheridan and, you know, as he was sna- um, uh, as he was snapping their backs? No, probably not. You know, there's some things you can't outthink. And that's exactly um, what England are doing now. They're not giving you that ability to outthink them because they're so dominant. But then that can intersect with another point, which is, well, what happens when someone more physically dominant com- comes up against you? And the answer is you probably just lose. Because as the All Blacks found out against Argentina, as Australia nearly found out about uh, against Argentina, and England did find out against South Africa, there's only so much that you can do. What, what I would say to that, yes, I, I think that's a fair point. I also think that the team that played in the World Cup final was, was a, one of the youngest teams that's ever played in a World Cup final. Four years on, the like Tom Curry's going to be a twenty-six-year-old, 
Absolute monster. Sam Sam Underhill's going to be, what, 27, 28? Monster. 28-year-old monster. Billy Vanapola will be 30-year-old monster. It's uh, it's going to be... I don't think I don't think the same. And this is what I think it's all about. It's a process. We're never going to have face that again, where we get bullied. We are going to do. We are yeah, going to be the playground bully. Yeah. So, Tom and, Curry. And, and, no, no. And let me just very yeah, yeah, let yeah, me very very briefly go back four years. Don't forget, uh, uh, Eddie Jones started defense first. If you remember when he first came in, yeah. defense, def- defense, 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 and then the attacking stuff partly came by accident because of the George Ford Owen Farrell ten twelve, which ended up working. But that got layered on top, and Johnny May and became more and more of a force through Eddie Jones up leading up to the World Cup. But initially, it was just hardcore defence, and I think he's just doing that again. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting. Can it happen again? Tom Curry is going to be a monster. He is a monster. He's already one of the best on best best in the world. Same for Sam Underhill. Probably same for Willis. Fine, but he's still only six foot two, and. No matter how hard he tries, he's never going to be John Luke, uh, John, John Luke Dupree. And those South Africans, I mean, if they have another crop of players as big as the last uh, lot, then it will happen again. No matter how hard you try, if South Africa put up, put out a second, uh, sorry, a back row who average about six foot five, and then they've got the second rows, then they've got their enormous front rows. I don't know how you, how do you stop that? Not with Tom Curry. You're going to have to get rid of Tom Curry and find the next thing. Well, there's two things, though. There's there's having the ability to totally bully teams, which is what England did to Ireland in this game for the majority of it, what, as you said, South Africa did to England 12 months ago. Yeah. But there's... You are... When you get to the upper echelons of world rugby, you're not going to be able to do that. No. Um, And so you've got to get... You've got to be physical enough to get parity, and then that's when you can layer the other things in. And I think in the in these games, these two games that we've seen, um, England versus Georgia and England versus Ireland in the Autumn Nations Cup, England haven't, they've barely even looked at those other elements of the game. They've just been worrying about the first one and getting the foundation stones yeah. relayed for that physicality. Yeah. But it's not to be, I don't think Eddie's ambition is to be able to bully they, their way to a World Cup. It's to no. get parity Absolutely. to be able to win yeah. multiple Six Nations and then have a shot of winning a World Cup. Absolutely. But and and it almost that, you've got to add layers to it. Totally. And it all, the conditions partly dictated it, but it almost I got the impression watching that second half particularly, like Eddie Jones has said, don't worry about playing. This is about this is about proving we've got 80 minutes of being balls out hard as nails yeah it's interesting because um now i've said this about england a lot like the last the, sorry the first 10 minutes they can be utterly brutal now they weren't actually that brutal against ireland weird, weirdly i mean they were i'll explain what i mean shortly um but I, I, you know you if they start it's going to be interesting to see how they react when they start losing the physical battle and the problem might well be they are so physically dominant against everyone, they might not lose that battle until the World Cup final. They might not have a chance <laughs> to find out, well, what do we do? Because they're awesome. Well, they, England did play South Africa four times in the year before the World Cup. Yeah. In 2018, they played them four times. So they, they might get a chance. Who didn't, they lose to, didn't they lose two of them? Are you talking about the... They lost the Series 2-1 and then lost in the final. Lost, yeah. No, but in, in that year, in 2018, they played for... Um, one two lost. That's two. right. Yeah, the two, oh, the two one lost. at Twickenham. That's right. Yes. Yeah, with the uh, Owen Farrell, Hazen Farrell, 
Um, totally legitimate them. tackle, yeah. Completely legit. I mean, that's a good example. Esther Hazen's what, six foot something? Six four, hundred and fifteen kg. Yeah, not needed by South Africa. <laughs> John Luke Dupree, not needed by South Africa. You know, it goes on and on and on. Can I just say, let's, let's talk about the England back row for a second. Firstly, Tom Curry has cut his hair. I'm, I'm devastated. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It's a real shame. He was, uh, he was getting quite a sort of professorial look about him. You could imagine <laughs> him in a, it, like an old movie, like Chariots of Fire at like Oxford University, uh, walking around in a blazer to his next lecture with a, with, with a bunch of leather books yeah, under his arm. I really That's, liked it. Yeah. But no, it's gone. It's cut it off. Go, Phil. I was going to say, I, there was something about that haircut that made him, to me, and it might, might have just been the sales shirt, but it made him look like a really, really big fat, um, not fat, but big uh, Ben Foden. <laughs> uh, it made him look like a the, massive like Ben Foden You mean Foden the England steroids. shirt, not the sales shirt? Oh, actually, it could be sale or England. Yes, sale or England. Yes, indeed. Uh but, yeah. but unbelievable. Right. And if, if you just paid attention to rugby Twitter for the last month. Oh, yeah. Eddie Jones would have to be picking seven back rows in the same team. And England would, would have to play 18 players. Because the same people that are going, Jack Willis has to play. were also saying, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill are world class. I have got sympathy for all of those comments. Because they're all world class. I mean, I mean, I'm a big fan of Willis because he's bigger. That, he's that's, not really. I think he is. No. He's, he's about well, inch. Maybe an inch taller, but no, he's not bigger. Every inch counts. Every inch counts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, I can see why you would say that. Uh, it's hard, isn't it, to get them all a game? And people aren't even talking about Lew, um, Lewis Ludlam. Well, they are talking about Lewis Ludlam because he's around the wider squad. But like, no or, one... uh, or how good Ben Earl was. Ben Earl's off the bench. class. Ben Earl's class. And, you know, you can go round and round of circles with the England back row. I do think that Curry and Willis are a cut above everyone else. So. Underhill. To, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, watch that game again and, and tell me Underhill wasn't oh, amazing. Yeah, he tackled is. everything that moved. And smashed I, it. Yeah, I, I thought Underhill was unlucky not to get man of the match. I agree. I is mean, it about balance? Mar- is incredible, but... Is it about balance now, though? Is it like how many... Because they're all amazing at the individual things that they can do. I mean, <laughs> Sam Simmons is busy scoring a hat-trick for Exeter, looking <laughs> yeah. outrageous. So him and Earl are one sort of thing, and it's hard to know. Like, is Earl just better at the other flanker bits or other back row bits than Simmons? I mean, I don't know. Is um, Curry a better carrier than Willis, and that's why he gets a nod? Is anyone as good as Sam Underhill at tackling, but then is Sam Underhill as good as everyone else at carrying? I think you'll... And, and by the way, nobody's as good as carrying outside of Billy as Lewis, as Lewis Ludlam, who is just a, a, an absolute monster, like the the, Briti- the, the English Audi Surveyor. Uh, in the case of uh, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, probably... Well, no, maybe not in the starting 15, but at least one would probably get in every starting 15. But there's a potential that England could have a, 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 a non-selected back row that would start for many other nations. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was listening to uh, an interview with, with Pivak uh, just before, um, I think like half-time during the England game. 
And there's like, and there's like, you know, what what is it you like about Ian Botham? Ian Botham, Liam, Liam Botham, uh, no, the other Botham, no, James Botham, James Botham. I've named the whole, <laughs> named, named the whole family there. Uh, and obviously, he's getting a lot of coverage because of who his family are. In the same way, I've just got all those names mixed up. Uh, and he comes out with like, yeah, he's got a bit of size which will give us the edge. And, this, uh, and it's like these are lies. There's nothing that you like about James Botham. You're playing the backups. If you liked him, you'd have played him last week. I like the <laughs> fact <laughs> he's Welsh qualified and plays, <laughs> plays in a position that I'd quite like to give someone else a rest in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he gives us the opportunity to rest good players. Not that he's not good. I mean, I'm sure he's yeah. absolutely bloody brilliant. But yeah, it's just a rubbish question and a, a worse answer. Just on Tim on on that point of the the England back whatever um, back row England pick the backups would be pushing for spots in any other home nation's team. Maybe not France, but um, I mean, like Paledri, for example, um, is obviously um, English born and raised, but with an Italian father, chose to play for Italy. Where would he be? I I was coached by his dad once. His dad is as Bristolian as they come, mate. Is he really? (laughs) Totally, mate. Um, Italian heritage, but yeah. But... um, if we talk the, specifically about the England Ireland game this week, yes, let's do that. And the so a few things went wrong for Ireland, but one of them was just their repeat inability to break the game line to get over the game line. And you had you had a back row that had Caelan Doris, who's a young, talented man, but didn't make. He might he might have actually if. Um, Opter and ESPN recorded negative yards. He might have finished that game with negative yards. Um, you had Peter Omani, who's never been a, a carrier, and is hard hard worker, good good in the lineup, never been a carrier. And you had CJ Stander, who is a carrier, but they could not get into the game. Yeah, and would thinking of the weaknesses of the Ireland team in this game was that the biggest one? Was the line out the biggest one? The strategy. I mean, the strategy was broadly correct but executed poorly. Is, is what I thought. It's easy to say that, but England's defence was immense. So, let me tell you what I think Ireland were trying to do. In the first few minutes, you saw some ho- horrendous kicking um, out on the fall. Just, just wasn't very good. And I think what Ireland were trying to do was not fall into the teeth of the English defence. Don't let, don't let them settle and kick the ball. Uh, that failed miserably. And therefore, they had to run at England. And when they started running at England, England just started absolutely panning them. Uh, so then, don't play England. You know the way you can't play England? You can't play them by running off your, off your nine and your ten with runners into the teeth of their guys that love collisions. Cause, because you're going to lose. Like, you you, was, you you can't do it. I was going to say that felt... That was one of the biggest downfalls for Ireland. Was they were just having one-out runners, either off nine or off ten, into two or three England tacklers every time and getting just knocked back time and time and time again. There's, there seemed to be, for most of the game, little variation to that tactic. Yeah, and do you know what annoyed me the most about it? Is that was their, they were doing that in the wrong areas of the field. Now, Ireland, this sounds ridiculous in hindsight, but just imagine that you're watching the game again. The two England tries do not come from beating Ireland up, even though they were getting beaten up. They come from a crossfield kick, and they come from utter brilliance from Johnny May. Two things which, uh, well, then they're not um, the product of being fit, of being physically, of being physically dominant. Ireland, when they got down into the England five, and they and they were missing those lineups, they were not even a, they weren't even able to test 
in, in England's defence. Instead, what they did is they gave him the perfect sort of look to defend against um, in in the middle of the park, and that's why you know, and that's why England looked so comfortable because effectively Ireland made it really, really comfortable. Yeah, well, I I just go back to the fact that I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it was just England. I think they actually kind of, as Phil hinted, I think they actually went into the game. Part of it might have been the conditions. Part of it might have been respect for the opposition. Part of it might have been a longer-term plan that Eddie's got in. But I think they went in and they did just what they needed to and nothing more. And a big part of that was just relentless, relentless defence that I think any international team would have struggled to break down. I don't think it was incompetence on on, on Ireland's part, except for set-piece issues and things set like piece that. Set-piece was horrendous. Which, which yeah. Set-piece was horrendous. Um, do you not feel, though, that the England the English defence wasn't even tested? Like almost like the English defence wanted them to do, uh, you know, they, they wanted the testing until, and they didn't get that opportunity until the very end. Ireland didn't even join the battle until about 10 minutes towards the end. And when they did, they got absolutely panned. So Ireland did test a couple of times, um, but it was from much further out. I say much further out. It was, they, it was from a bit further out with the Keith Earls break down the right-hand side yeah, nice. in the first half. And the, the Chris Farrell Going over the he line did with very a, with well, a Chris Farrell. Remarkable tackle by Henry Slade because yeah, that was Chris, awesome. Yeah, Chris Farrell is a big, strong boy. So I think looking back at it now, you would uh, oh my god, that was a, a, an upwards inflection. Um, looking back at it now, Ireland should have targeted the centres more. They should have used Farrell. They should have used um, Bendiaki to get over the game line. Running at the English pack is a disaster. And I think we've seen how you beat a defence a defence like this, which is as odd as it sounds. You've got to get your pick and go game working. If you if you get them pinned pinned down, you can't allow England to get the line speed up because that's when they win, win collisions. Get your pick and go game working. Change point. Change the point of attack. You can't just play one off the ten, one off the nine, or little pods of three. It's it's suicide. Yeah, um, on their on their line out. Um, do you see any uh, JB? You're a uh, international caliber line out coach. Um, do you know what? Looking at the island line, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said I was an international caliber line out coach. But then looking at Ireland's line out, I clearly am. I mean, there's there's very little debate <laughs> it, now. But it's like a game of chess, though, isn't it? You you, you can. You can be a good player, but if you're up against a better player, then you'll you'll get beaten. To a degree, but nowhere in the game is well, all the odds stacked more in your favour than in the line-out. You can choose your numbers, you can choose your formation, you can choose your timing, the movement, you can choose everything, even your matchups. Uh, so to get it, you know, I can understand you, know, you get sussed out on a couple of line-outs, but to have that level of incompetency is just staggering. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a big it was a big issue for Ireland. Um, come, I've got one question I want to know: What is Tom Dunn's uh, money per second that he's earning <laughs> in international rugby? It's it a, must be close to a grand a second. I think it's slightly it's slightly more than what Elon Musk makes for being chairman of Tesla. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> qu- it's quality, not quantity, isn't it? Exactly. Good old Tom Dunn. <laughs> what do you get? Like another minute? <laughs> Not even that. It's about thirty seconds. Yeah, it's it's become a habit now because they he starts warming up with like four minutes to go. That's when he gets the nod to start warming up from Eddie, 
And so it's every, every minute, every time there's a stoppage in play in that last four minutes of the game, the camera pans onto him. It's all done. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bib on. Oh, yeah. no, he's Bibs off now. Yeah, Bibs off. There was that video of him after his first cap last week, uh, you know, uh, crying uh, on a little video call back home. Soon that we'll see a video of Tom Dunn crying after a game, just saying to his <laughs> mum, he won't let me play any more than one minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the problem with sport in general is there's quite a lot of suspicion. Uh, sorry, not suspicion. Superstition. And if England carry on winning and they win well and Tom Dunn is on the bench, <laughs> do they want to risk that? I mean, if they bring him on at a normal time, say with 20 minutes to go and they lose, will he ever play again? <laughs> it's a little bit like Dan Robson's taken ages for Eddie Jones to trust him. And Jack Willis got his debut and then go on and off you go, bugger off for a week. Yeah. So, I don't know, Eddie Jones, I, I quite, do you know what I do quite like? I, I, as I've said before, I like that Eddie Jones is cranking up exactly what it means and how hard it is to to earn that jersey that said tom dunn's got two caps which is more th- there'll be a player out there that's that's had one cap and had an amazing 80 minute performance and <laughs> tom dunn's got two of them now got double for 45 seconds total performance here's a thought it's a random thought and it has nothing really to do with what you just said i was thinking of like unknown england players so players that have played for england that who, who, we, who we wouldn't remember and i think i've come up with a really good one do you remember the second row, Peterson? Peterson. Do you remember the, uh, 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 this guy, Phil? Have I made that up? Did he play for England? Peterson. Peterson. Well, I mean, the very nature of it is, if we don't remember, you would have you just proved your point perfectly. Well, no, because he was a kind of a big player. He played for Sale, either sixth or second row, then moved over to Northampton, and he definitely had an England cap. And he, but he's New Zealand-born. Mm. Why does no not even Google remembers this guy but he definitely existed i'm starting to think he might have been part american no he's not american player not wait not even google remembers this guy maybe it's a dream that i've had i'm or, sure that m- maybe you have to go on the dark web to find this one <laughs> to, uh, on, on my tor browser yeah it's been uh it's been air it's been um, i'm sure his name is peterson you know, the only peterson second row i can think of and i've only been reminded of him because he played well this weekend is greg peterson who plays for newcastle falcons and usa that's exactly why i thought of peterson peterson because i thought i can't be the same guy that can't i can't be him he must be retired but by, by now Obscu- I typed in, uh, obscure england players is, is something i could have a natter about but we've got too much rugby to talk about to what, do that now. can't we just explore this for another 10 minutes and then we'll get back into the game <laughs> Like, um, just looking I mean, at the players who played in that tour for hell would be the one to to get some of those names. Yeah, they're, they're, but actually they turn out to be some fairly big names, didn't they? Like, is it Peter Richards Scrumhoff who ended up starting for England? Leon Lloyd played, Josh Lucy played. Like, there were some genuinely good players there. I think Martin Corey might 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 have played too. Um, back to the game. Oh yeah, sorry. Tom just, Tom. Just the... uh, like, no no no. I've got I've got the tour of hell team. Tom Byme from Sale Sharks. Yeah, you are right. I didn't know him. <laughs> Matt Moore from from uh, Sale Sharks, a winger. Stuart Potter from Leicester Tigers. <laughs> okay, I Dom- Dominic Chapman from Richmond. No, these aren't real. This is a centre. Steve Ravenscroft from Saracens. That's basically the backline I've given you. I know Steve Ravenscroft. There was Johnny Wilkinson as well. Um, is that real? One of the scrum halves, Scott Benton from oh. Gloucester. Ben uh, Bentos. I see. I, I see. Hang on. Do you know who am I thinking of? Rob Fiddler from Gloucester in the locks. Yeah, I remember him just, just. Prop from Gloucester, Tony Window. 
Tony Window was captain of uh, Exeter. Was oh, or was it Worcester? Worcester. Anyway, there's there's some random obscure England players. Anyway, next, sorry Phil, what are you saying? W- one last thing I wanted to mention on the um, on the uh, England Island game was um, so other than Johnny May taking his two tries brilliantly, two very different tries brilliantly, the England backs didn't have much uh, opportunity to shine going forward. But I, I was really impressed with the defence of both Ollie Lawrence and Henry Slade. Agreed. Um, and may, maybe it was made a little bit easier because of um, Ireland often going one out, kind of simplistic rugby. But I thought they handled um, Bundyaki and, and Chris Farrell, considerably bigger men, really, really well. Mm. And it was interesting to see off a lot of set piece, even though Ollie Lawrence was wearing 13, he was often defending in the, the 12 channel. And it, it, it just worked It worked really well um, in that regard, even though we didn't get to see them going forward. I agree with that. And there was some interesting, what I noticed, you just mentioned Ollie Lawrence at 12. I, I noticed that defensively. Also, um, the way they used Johnny May, I found, re- and Jonathan Joseph, really interesting. Johnny May was basically, you know, you have an open side flanker and a blind side flanker. Johnny May was the open side wing. He wasn't left wing. He was just, the number of times you'd see him on the open side. And then in defence, the number of times he was the t- one of the two wingers that was the one back on the narrow back. side to, to get the, the kicks. It's yeah. And, and Eddie Jones has talked about hybrid players and maybe that's showing itself in other ways, not a, you know, Sam Simmons at, at 12 or something like that, or Ben Earl in the centre. Maybe it's not some, or Jack Noel at, 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 on the flank. It's not going to be that, but maybe it is trying to get the most out of your best players in the position that they can do the most damage. Like you said, Ollie, Ollie Lawrence at 12, Johnny May um, catching the high balls. You made an interesting point last week, Tim, which I've not stopped thinking about really, or it certainly came back into focus during the France game, which is whenever countries do do that, we don't bat an eyelid. So France play Fiku on the wing. And as rugby fans, we oh look, Fiku's on um, uh, on, on on the wing. We don't demand to find out where I don't know T- Teddy Tomar is. And I do wonder if there's a you know there's something in that. Like maybe just having Jonathan Joseph because he's ace on the field is a net positive. But maybe maybe, and I I hadn't noticed that open side blind side Tim, but that does make sense with the way that they were utilising Jonathan Joseph um, last week, almost as the. Um, kind of like the second playmaker. So you had Farrell with um, one of the centres running a hard line. Farrell at 10, one of the centres running a hard unders line and the player looping round the back to pick it off off the back um, behind the crashing 12 was Jonathan Joseph looking for that uh, outside arc on the 13 channel. So Mm -hmm. it's just a different way of playing with a... Or bringing a, a, a centre into the game from is that a, attached, an unusual angle. Yeah, is that England attack coach fella still there? Or has he gone to Wise Mantle? Or is it Simon Amor? Sa- Simon Amor, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Wise, Simon Wise Amor, Mantle yeah. left. Yeah. Is Wise Mantle not with um, Australia? He's he gone back be. to Australia. He might be, I'm not sure. No, I, I, don't know. I genuinely don't know. I'll tell you who is with Australia. Go on. Friend of the pod. Um, expert scrum coach. And your former Petrus teammate. Duplessy. Your former yeah. teammate, yeah. Yeah, and that's incredible. National League player now, um, international scrum coach. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, it's incredible. But I think the, of the England coaches, John Mitchell takes the plaudits today. Six, six England forwards finished with at least twenty tackles. Wow, 
It's quite a lot, isn't it? Mm. Maybe that, two. that is impressive. I, you know, I feel that France and England are on an almighty collision course. Does anyone else feel that way? Yeah. It's going to be... So, hoping that um, France beat Italy, which I'm fairly confident they will, and England beat Wales, which, based on current performances, they should do. Is there more chance of England, Wales or Italy getting a win? Because I'm not... I don't know. I, I don't know I'm confident of the answer to that. Where is the... I'd, oh, uh, more chance of Wales getting a win. I'd say so, but, I mean... But that, Gar- that Garibaldi trophy is... Yeah. Wales's only wins this year have been against Italy and Georgia. Yeah. Well, the only good news for Wales this year is that Gatlin is coaching the Lions because otherwise they could they could kiss the Lions' hope, hopes goodbye. <laughs> uh, the other good news for Wales and the best player on the park, in my opinion, in the, the Georgia game is Lewis Rees Summit. He is so good. Yeah. He's so strong. So, He's so fast. He, he is. is. Yeah. He's very George Northy, isn't he? He is. Just strong and quick, age 19. But faster. <laughs> well, no, actually, he's probably not faster. George North was bloody fast. Bloody I fast. think he's faster. I think, well, he's definitely faster now. I mean, he might be faster <laughs> than Johnny May now. You know, he is bloody rapid. Um, this whole affair was so, so tier two. The whole thing was. I mean... The lights. Well, yeah. What was that? What was that about? It was so awful. It's like watching something from the 80s. I mean, it just... <laughs> Why can't you get decent lights? The stadium, there's nothing wrong with, with Parky Scarlet's. It's a perfectly fine venue, except for the lights. I mean, of all the things to, to scrimp on. And it's not hard, is it, boys? You know, it's on TV. You've got ground staff. You've Presumably, you've got some paint somewhere. Uh, why can't you write DHL on, on, on the pitch in any kind of manner which is neat? Like it, it all, it, It's so worn, the DHL sign that it looked like there was a shadow and there was a little bit of light coming on to, c- c- coming onto the field. The whole thing was just completely tin pot. It's such a bad image for the WRU. And then you combine it with a rubbish team. You know, what's the game plan? It's terrible. <laughs> um, well, England have got to look forward to those lights as well next week, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Oh, is it a late game? Is England Wales the late actually, one? Actually, I might... I might be wrong on that. I, I mean, it gets it, dark early anyway, but hopefully there'll be some daylight in that one. Otherwise, it is it, would, there'll, uh, be pl- no, there'll be is. plenty of day- daylight be- between the, between the two teams. It's <laughs> uh, it is uh, a quarter to five kickoff, so it will be dark as they kick off. Good. Oh, okay. Actually, so that... actually, no. Hang on, hang on. I've got the wrong week. That's the final. Uh, it's a four p.m. kickoff. Oh, so it will so be it will be dark at it, least. It, yeah, for most part. It will be dark. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, and that that maybe that venue just drags teams down to that that level. I don't know what it is, but it just it looks dark and dank and miserable, and it's such an easy fix. Well, it's not an easy fix, is it? You've got to climb up some scaffolding and it, put more lights up. Yeah, and it can't feel like. <laughs> I mean, you're pulling the jersey on, you're singing the anthem, great, but you're not. Just tiny little bits of psychology, even if you're not aware of it subconsciously, it's going to not feel like an international game, is it? At Parker Scarlets with no crowd. Yeah, I mean. I thought it was a good idea to use Parky Scarlets because why open up the Millennium? It's very expensive. Cash is, you know, cash is at a premium. I get that. But the point you've raised, Tim, is is a perfectly valid one, which is you need some some form of occasion. You know, the England players are still walking out at Twickenham. It still means something. Um, just, just the way it looks on TV, it just looks rubbish. The rugby, um, the rugby didn't save it. No, yeah. it didn't, did it? 
I'm other than saying that Louis Free Summit is class. I, I really don't have much to say about this game. I don't think I learned anything. Um, I think you can say a little bit more about it if you swap the teams around and look at look at it through Georgian eyes. They'll be very very pleased with how they defended. I think some of their uh, some of their try line defense was very good. They only buckled towards the end. Um, something the commentator said which really bugs me, and it might be true, it might not be, but the idea that like the backup Bristol fly half is in some way in better shape than the guy that plays pro uh, uh, pro 14 is beyond me so there are these sort of um stereotypes that go around and one 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 is the georgians aren't aren't very fit i beg to differ i bet they're just just as fit as well, the... another stereotype that's wrong is that georgians are amazing scrummagers <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. been that's been obliterated the last two weeks yep uh, the other one is um the the Argentines play on passion. They beat the All Blacks. You you don't you don't just hope your way to beating beating the All Blacks and then drawing against uh, uh draw, drawing against Australia. So that sort of irritated me. Um, I, I thought the Georgians didn't embarrass themselves, which I know is a, a low bar. But in this competition, I think that's what they're aiming for, isn't it? They're, they're aiming to prove to the world that they deserve to be be on this stage. The England game would suggest no. Wales at least gave them the opportunity and they picked their second team. And they looked, you know, it, it wasn't a game where, well, the embarrassment was purely on the Welsh side, I would say. Yeah, the, the Georgian captain has come out and said that he thinks the route to Georgia getting better, this is an idea which I like the sound of. He said, we need to not rely on our players playing in other countries. We'd love a franchise in the Pro 14. No, be careful what you wish for because you might have to play for that franchise. And... Uh, just looking at how it's worked for the Italians, no. I mean, you wouldn't. Outside of Italy, does it work for anyone well? well sorry, not Italy. Sorry, uh, uh, Ireland. Well, what I would suggest in this case is you get 50,000 people turning up in Georgia to an international game against another mm. Tier 2 side. Mm. If it was a, a big Pro 14 game against Leinster, let's say, you'd probably get 50,000 people turning up for it. I mean... If you're right, I'd be up for it. I don't think you are. But, you know, if that was the case, yeah, fine. I think that the strategy which Milton Hogg or Haig, or however you say his name, um, the way that he pursued it was get them to a certain standard, get them capped, get, get them to France, basically, is the, be- is the better way forward. And I tend to agree with that. Um, it has, if you could do that and uh, retain a certain degree of control of your players... Which obviously, when you get them to France, you totally lose that degree of control. Um, it it might be more like the Jaguares model if Quite. you get them playing in was, the in the Pro Fourteen. I, I was going to say, unfortunately, what we might be witnessing at the moment is, the, as the Jaguares have ended, we might be witnessing the the fruition of the Jaguares project. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's hard to say, it's isn't it? it? Causation doesn't necessarily correlation causation or you know you might be right because Haguaras did they get to the final I think they did didn't they they did they got to the final got beat by Crusaders on on one of Crusaders three consecutive wins yeah I mean they're no yeah they they did develop into one hell of a team so they're no joke Um, yeah you might be right but then Mm. I just can't see it being a reasonable prospect to put a load of Georgians on a plane from Georgia and fly them to Rodney Parade. I mean, it just, when you, t- when you, say, when you say it like that, it's just absurd. Well, it'd end up being state-funded, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, and I've got a lot of things to say about that. In fact, I'm writing a article uh, about it in relation to the P- P- Pacific Islands, and that's not a good place to be either. Mm. So, but it's one to watch anyway. Yeah, the answer for me is no. Seeing as we've mentioned the jaguares, shall we mention the pumas and the wallabies? Yes, Scotland fans, hold tight. We'll be with you shortly. <laughs> yeah, uh, best game of the weekend for me. Awesome. Ah, it, it was a great game, and I loved that it went right down to the wire. Mm. Um, Australia must be thinking, how the hell were they not? <laughs> yeah. They not win that by twenty points. I know. I know. They had so much possession, so much opportunity. And just could not get over the line repeatedly. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it, that they've done the games the way they have, which is Australia and New Zealand have already played. Um, then it's basically four back-to-back uh, Puma games. Because if Australia had beaten the All Blacks and then All Blacks have got beaten by the Pumas and then Australia drawn to the Pumas... The All Blacks Australia game, which would be the next one up, would be bloody awesome. Yeah, but but we don't get to see that. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. I, I think uh, that Australia did look good, but I think also that uh, the Pumas rattled them. I like that. You know, they got in amongst them. There's lots of pushing and shoving. It turns out the Australians and indeed the New Zealanders hate that sort sort of stuff, and it falls into the hands of uh, the of uh, the Argentines regularly. Yeah, it it was certainly Argentina did rattle Australia and did defensively rattle them as well. I mean, it, this was really a, a monumental defensive effort by Argentina to to repeatedly prevent Australia from scoring. Um, and then it came down to the last ten minutes, um, which were really really exciting. Yes. Even though it felt that both teams they. They were too afraid of losing it to really want to win it. And they both uh, kicked away quite a lot of yes. possession in that last 10 minutes to try and get an attacking platform and force the other team into a mistake, which never quite worked. And the, the best example of that was the... Um, I can't remember who it was. Down the right-hand side, who kicked it into the corner. Um, Pataya. Yeah. Or was it Reese Hodge who kicked it into the corner? Pataya. So on his outside, I thought he had uh, uh, Corabetti, but he, he didn't. Down Gunu, uh, Gunu. Yeah, but you know the principle still remains. You know what would you do? I thought uh, P- uh, Pataya had a very good game. He is developing into some player. But yeah, but, but you don't kick it there. Yes, you're right. He is. He does look very good. You don't kick it there. No, I completely agree with that. Well, if you kick yeah. it, you keep it in field and force the defender to uh, kick it out. Yeah, I. I thought they, they that the Pumas lost something by not having last week's scrum half, whatever whatever his name is. It it escapes me. Um, what hell's his name now? Can't remember. Uh, but they just looked a little. Kubel- Kubeli. Kubeli. Thank, uh, thank you. You do. By the way, you do. Uh, it's uh, one of those pub quiz questions that goes around. But you do know why the Haguaras are called the Haguaras? Is it because the because journalists then are almost as incompetent as journalists now? And they didn't know the difference between the basics of big cats. Yes, correct. Yes. So Argentina have always been that their their bat their logo is a jaguar. That's right. Which is why you got jaguares. And they were called and they get they've been called the pubas. Yeah. So I've looked this up right. 
There's Puma, there's Jaguar, and there's another one which always gets me. Uh, not not Leopard. Panther. Panther, yeah. Where where does a where, where, where do does all... a puma end and a panther begin? That's a great question. I, 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 that is one the philosophers have, have have often pondered. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know leopard, I know cheetah, but yeah, it's 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 those three. Where, where do they all where do they all intersect? And apparently, apparently, it's the Amazon. Um, but it's, it's it, you are whatever you identify as. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, and that's the important part. Um, some rugby values were lacking in in this game and i hate to bring up rugby values because obviously it just reflects one's own bias but i think there are some universal values which um we all hold dear did anyone see the um the video going around of that um obnoxious little boy showing maximum <laughs> maximum disrespect to facundo isa facundo isa <laughs> unbelievable stuff uh yeah <laughs> what do you think um pablo matera whispered to the little boy uh at that made, that made him cry. Don't worry, this loser will be gone soon. Pointing at, pointing at, pointing at for Gundoisa. Or did he? Or did he say? I reckon he just went up to that kid and go, "I play for my country." <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> well, what's wrong? What's wrong with the kid? Isa plays for Toulon. He's a world class flanker, and it, what standard standard Pumas just aren't quite uh, aren't quite enough. Now. So just to explain, in case you missed it, that everyone's talking about Pablo Matera giving his shirt to this kid. The video of the incident quite clearly shows that the kid is being hugged and chatted to by Facundo Issa, an awesome back row in his own right. But it's only when Pablo Matera comes over that the kid starts to show the emotion <laughs> that, that we saw. He may as well put his put a palm into Issa's, uh, uh, Issa's face. Like, get out of here. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable disrespect. Something we, something we want kicked out of the game. I, I hope that kid's banned from all stadiums now. But I, I lo- how can you not get kind of a, a bit romantic about rugby when you see moments like that? Yeah, it's it is awesome. I do. So, is there anyone who has increased their value as much as Pablo Matera in the last two weeks? I mean, he's 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 like folklore now. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, it was, no one. Yeah, it was one thing to do all those cool things like I play for my country. I play for my country. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very cool. But it's another one to go and win the game. So that's awesome. I mean, the, the, you know, that win gave some real validation. And then you've got this this draw away from home and just the whole story around it. Then he's given his shirt to kids. And like, you know, if he's not, I mean, is he available to hire? Who? Uh, I just I just looked him up. Um, he's listed on Wikipedia, which is not always the most accurate place, as uh, st- playing for Stade Francais. At the really? Moment. Yeah, albeit when I say playing, they've got him down as two appearances in the last two years. Interesting. So he was with the with the Haguaras. Yeah. Yeah. Now they've gone. Presumably, where where, where was he years ago though? Ah, uh, there's a team that didn't need him. They knew better. Yeah. There's a team I don't remember the name. I, probably big cat based, and they thought that they knew better, and they let him go. Yeah, but a team, but to have let Pablo Matera go. That team must have gone on to incredible heights yeah, in rem- recent years. I can't remember who it was, but almost certainly they'll probably be. I mean, they'll probably be doing magnificently now. I mean, to, to let him go. I mean, what a back row that they that 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 they must have had. It definitely was big cat based. I don't know. Yeah. Tiger, tigers. I don't know. Maybe. It'll he, come to us if, one day. If he's available for someone to hire now, he has done his bank account a, a world of good because he's going to be yeah. worth a fortune. Yes. 
hundred percent. He's got to keep the tash. If that's there for November, you've got to keep it because he's that that jersey is kind of an old school throwback. Him as a human being is a bit of an old school rugby throwback. The moustache just adds to that whole mystique. Do you think one of the reasons he's so popular is because, well, he's Spanish speaking, and therefore we don't know what he thinks, and we can only judge him by his rugby, and he's so incredibly macho. Well, yeah, he's a very good English speaker because of his time in uh, in the East Midlands. But is he? Because he's only there for like two two weeks or something. Leicester Tigers. He's there. Yeah, he was there for like two years. Maybe he was there for a while. No, he was only there for. I would say 18 months, max. Okay, well, his English is very good anyway. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, but, you know, like t- 2019, my favourite Pablo was, um, was was the guy out of Narcos. Or was <laughs> 2018, whatever that was. But he, he, this this dude is the real deal. Love him. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. He, you know, I... I said a while back something about maybe it was Henry Slade. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Slade. But as talking about players who've got a reputation but haven't got that single defining game, and I think Pablo Matera is having a defining tournament. So on on that, the Tri Nations is now perfectly poised. So you've got two games left left. You've got Argentina having their reverse fixtures, first with New Zealand and then finally with Australia. Uh all three teams are tied on six points. Amazing. So, isn't it? It's actually going to be a really, really close tournament. Very exciting, and any one of them can can easily um, win it from here. Yeah, and annoyingly, I still feel like the the Pumas their success is due to end soon. I still feel that way. I hope it doesn't. I really hope that they win the whole thing, but I just can't. Yeah, I just think it's not going to happen. I, I suspect that um, New Zealand and Australia will both win the next two weeks because don't forget they get one game, then they get a week off to analyse, to understand, yeah, and, that's and what... to prepare uh, both physically in with the time off, but also to prepare because they know what they're playing against. Yeah, it's almost um, you know like I said before about how they've cut up the games. It's almost unfair yeah. that they've done it that way, and I know there must be good logistical reasons to do it, but. The Pumas are up against it because they've got, you know, every week they can be analysed by the next opponent and they don't have much time to do it themselves. 
But at least they yes. now, at least they now get a couple of weeks in Buenos Aires. They've been away for so long. Is that right? Do they play the next two games at home? Is it? Is that I not? Oh, no. oh no, the whole thing's abroad, yeah, isn't it? Of I course, it so. is. All things. Are in Sorry, Australia. I was just assuming they were gonna their next two were gonna be two home games. But you're right. Oh, they're against all the odds then. Yeah. Yes. So if they win this thing, it's it's gonna be what if they could win the Tri Nations, they'd do an incredible amount of good for rugby in general. But the amount of good that they would do for their own home nation, because let's be honest, with South Africa not being that interested in the Tri Nations and COVID and declining attendances and all the rest of it, and now the Haguaros have gone. Uh, you know, the Argentine Union could really do with a bit or the Argentine game in general could do with a bit of a shot in the arm and this could be perfect. Yeah. Agreed. So definitely an exciting end to that one. Um, Stuart Hogg. <laughs> Stuart Hogg. <laughs> oh, Stuart. Stuart Hogg. Um, yeah, it's all uh, poor, poor. Such Stuart. a lovely man. Such an awesome player. He's got incredible he, hair. I mean, whoever did that job with his plugs. <laughs> I mean, what an advert Stuart Hogg is. Uh he won that. He got the winning kick last week, but my goodness, he, I mean, he obviously had been chatting to Henry Slade. Henry Slade just said, "Yeah, yeah, when, when I want to, when I want to kick for the corner, it's easy. You just kick it towards the corner flag, and it will just stop five meters short of it." Yeah, from where? From where, Henry? Anywhere? Well, wherever. Yeah. Against what one? <laughs> right, right foot or left foot, Henry? Oh, it doesn't really matter. I can do both. Yeah. Okay, I'll give it a go. It was gutting for him. mind you. I don't think he played that well throughout the entire game. Truth be told. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, all he did was return kicks and chase kicks. Yeah, but there again, that's all that you need to do until France show you a different picture. So I don't know what picture that they were necessarily showing him. Um, I, I, I enjoyed France. I enjoyed this game. Uh, I can't wait for France to play England. Um, and France just keep, keep, just, just keep on rolling on. Uh, Vaca Tower is probably the best player in the whole tournament. He might be. Maybe, um, definitely the best 13. Maybe not the best player, but definitely the best 13. I I hated the line that uh, Rates ran for Vakatawa's try. Oh, my God. They mm. almost butchered that try by Rates just eating into Vakatawa's face. Just not, it's like basic schoolboy. Just straighten up, drift one way, fix. Um, it was um, Kinghorn. Yep. Who, he just let Kinghorn drift across, and Kinghorn almost got him. And then he should have held on. I mean, him. it's easy to say with hindsight because you you know you're, you're not the player, but he should have held on to the bloody ball. He could he could have I, held on to the ball. He should have drifted and just fixed Kinghorn. Two, it's a two on one. It's yeah. a schoolboy two on one. And but thank thank God. I mean, most players would have been stopped by a combination of Kinghorn and Hog, but um, Vakatawa is strong and fast enough to to still score it. Um, with all that to do, different type of human, completely different type of human. Problem for Scotland. Incredible. The big biggest issue for Scotland in this game was that no French player decided to punch one of their back row and get red carded. <laughs> this is real <laughs> shame, isn't and it? that and that's that's where the game was lost. I mean, back in what was it? Back in February or and how as back in February? How as you know? He, he yeah. I mean, that's that was Scotland's game plan. Hope one of the French props get a red card by punching someone in the face, and we can sneak a win. Uh, run me through this one, Tim. This is an interesting one. Um, ben Whitehouse, TMO today. Uh, Mini Nige. Well, I mean, he's young got, Nige. He's got some way to be. Yeah, yeah. Before we even that's, come close to. That's using what he was Nige being word. groomed as. But 
Yeah. I, I would I would argue there's work to be done. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, we've got some foul play. Quick look at it. Uh, I see no foul play there, Ben. You concur? Yes, Wayne, I concur. What is that all about? <laughs> like you've seen, you've seen this. Wayne, Wayne Barnes even asked him, like, are you seeing the same pictures that I am? Yes, Wayne. There's no foul play. Okay, Wayne. I mean, why even bother? Yeah, actually, what what should happen there is that so that everybody watching can hear it. Ben Whitehouse says, "Just should just say, I apologize." Yeah, I'm sorry to I'm every sorry. man, Rather woman, than, and child. Yes, I agree with you, Wayne. It's just like. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you're right, Wayne. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or we feed into sharks. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what exactly the answer is, but it's one of those. It, it's something like that. Uh, I'm so, I'm just disappointed Wayne Barnes didn't speak in Welsh to him. Thought that was disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to hear one more time how respectful it is to talk in French. I mean, it, it makes me want to kill myself. Um, it is. It's just such a tired, boring thing to say. That you know, if you're a true professional and you take your rugby really ter- seriously, just learn a few phrases of English. You know, you, you, you know, you'll know what penalty is. You'll know what scrum is. Uh, I asked uh, Matt Gitto, "How do you learn the calls in French?" Because well, you know, they're the same calls, um, and the French doesn't change very much. If you learn the French phrases, you'll you'll be fine. They're professionals. It's okay. It's okay to talk in English. And also, when you when you have a line out move, that's like I remember it playing in a team where. Like uh, if you put a town or a city or a place after after a call, it meant it meant like a, dri- yeah, yeah. a drive, for example. You d- you don't need to understand Bordeaux, Bordeaux. Bordeaux. You don't need to understand. <laughs> yeah. Where hold on? Where is Bordeaux? And uh, I don't what, need... what, what what's whereabouts is that in the nation? How what's the easiest? How long does it take to get there by train from Paris? You just need to know the word, the letters, yeah, and the, it, the sound it makes. Yeah, or if it's and a, what it means exactly the sound it makes. Or if it's a country, as long as it's Wales, you're going to shout. Hold on a minute, that's a principality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's absolute nonsense. And also, what about when, I don't know, who was the referee you're going to find? The tier one ref- referee who's going to be able to referee Georgia versus Romania by this obscene <laughs> standard. It's <laughs> a good point. So let's just, just pack it in, all right? Just pack it in. I, I know you're all so worthy. Just pack it in. It's fine. It's, it's, good if, if it's, it's good if a ref can, but to suggest that all, any game between France and or Italy... And a home nation side should be dual lingual. Do one, but, yeah. Well, I mean, did, was the referee talking in Georgian in, in like in the Welsh game? And Georgian Welsh. and Welsh. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's just it. It's more about whoever is commentating or the journalist writing, you know, putting forward what they what they believe rather than the practicalities of rugby it's so boring and yet we have to hear this every time france play we have to hear oh he's speaking for, as if the french aren't capable of learning a different language most of them know english anyway there's there's one little one i would add to that if if i could stop referees from using players first names i would even if they are mates with them yeah and have a beer with them in the job. i i i, I want to hear them go red five hands off red five not not come on alan Alan, let, let it go now, Alan. Alan? <laughs> Alan, Alan, Alan! Well, you've got a point, haven't you? Right, there's a reason that farmers don't give the animals names because it makes certain decisions decisions <laughs> more difficult. Red 5 is perfectly, you know, it's impersonal enough. The captains... Oh, captains, maybe. I would make an exception for that. I think it has to be Mr. 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 As in Mr. Wynne Jones. Mr. Jones, Mr. Wynne Jones. Yeah, yeah, it should be, because that's... Again, more formal. Uh, 
Monsieur, whoever it is, Cretin. <laughs> uh, Olivon. Ol- no, it isn't. Um, yeah, it is Olivon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, so those are you know, those are the standards. Rather than speaking French, the standards are Red Five or Mister. What's his name? That's that's absolutely fine. Mm. Uh, Scotland game, yeah. So uh, Stuart Hogg completely butchered any any chance to get, a, but it would have only been an equalising try and. Chances are they wouldn't have scored. Yeah, can I just a add catch and drive? One more other thing to this, and I do feel like I'm whinging too much now. But I'm, I, this is my last whinge. Everything else. Yeah, I, I would say just generally in the last few weeks, I think we've been very positive. Actually, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm quite conscious that I maybe set the tone with a slight like, "Oh, it's all right. I'm glad to see rugby, but I'm uh, sorry if I uh, started off a bit moany. I didn't mean to be. Anyway, well, go on. I have no problem with the rugby. I really enjoyed the game. Yeah, actually, and maybe I'll talk about how much I enjoyed the game shortly. <laughs> and I appreciate Stuart, Stuart Hogg is upset he's lost an international game he's very emotional i get that you know that's you know that's what he does do you know the chat which i absolutely hate and i actually blame you a little bit personally for this tim me yeah yeah you personally Um, i'm interested to hear this (laughs) stuart hogg said yeah you know we need to learn a lesson you know um we need to do uh it was about learning and it was all this stuff like everyone's always bloody learning you're you're (laughs) a professional rugby player and you're the captain it's not about learning now, Stuart. Um, it's about leading. And I ha- it's these weasel phrases, which they all use to avoid accountability, which is, oh, we're on a journey, or we're learning, or it was, we need to show show more maturity. And they can get away with this because the, the questions they're asked are just not hard enough. You know, if, if a captain says, yeah, we're learning, hold on, learning what? Learning where the flag is yeah. and on the try line and what, where the five uh, meter line is what is it that you didn't know <laughs> i mean do you assume how many degree courses would you need to go through before you could out muscle i mean it's same as my argument about people saying you know out outsmart england it's exactly the same thing how many degree courses would you need to go through to be able to kick that ball you know into the five meter line it's not about learning it's about um it's about leading and it's also okay not to be as good as another team rugby isn't a static problem um, with a fixed answer, it's constantly changing, and your opposition are constantly changing. You can't just learn your way out of things. It it it's a nonsense. But they get away with it. It's like the stock answer that they use when they are doing their interviews. No one ever challenges them. Is this me not challenging them? Is that no, it, it isn't you. But you're part of the the main the mainstream media here, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. But yeah, if, if someone says to you in the future, yeah, what a journey, a j- journey to where? Do you know the destination? Have you made the destination clear? Why do they not know? You're full-time professionals. Maybe getting better is is okay. We've got to get better is fine because you you do. But learning is not okay. Why? Why is learning not okay? It is. It <laughs> is. Getting better is okay. It is. Le- because uh, when you learn, you. You can get better, or you do, do do get better. But getting better isn't about necessarily learning. Like you, like you can get better in the gym by gym by doing squats. That isn't learning. Okay, um, <laughs> I think your your uh, incessance on distinguishing between those two points is um, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Because well, they're so Weasley, it's just like this modern coaching chat. Yeah, it, it, it is, makes it, it is a bit. It is a bit like media training. If you think about it now, you're, yeah. an inter, you're an international captain. You're Stuart Hogg. You're being interviewed after a game. If he was being really honest, and I would love to hear this, yeah. by the way, and I love it when you hear true honesty in uh, in coaches. And you will occasionally hear me and listen out for this yep. when um, 
when people have been really honest with me in a post-match chat, I quite often will say, and it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I, I, I acknowledge it and say, uh, thanks for your time, and I appreciate you being so honest. Yes. Because cause it doesn't happen very much. Rob Baxter, I've done it to a few times. When they lost in Ulster a few years ago, the year they won the Premiership, I, I remember just... I, I remember having a little word in my ear from the producer before the end of the game, and I went, God, that's like nine defeats now in ten games. And me and the producer were chatting, and he went, yeah, you, you're gonna have to, you can have to really... I went, I'm going to have to drop the hammer here, aren't I? And he went, yeah, you got to drop the hammer. And I did, and Rob, Rob Baxter owned up, and I said, really honest. So uh, so going back to Stuart Hogg, if he was being really honest, he would have said, I'm absolutely gutted uh, that we that I, that I messed that up personally. Yeah. We had a real opportunity to get a draw, and we made some stupid errors. Our line-out was, was rubbish, and um, and that really cost us tonight. What would be the the harm in saying that? Nothing, and I think most rugby fans watching would go, fair play. And none of his teammates, yeah. none of his teammates would have gone. They'd go, "Yep, yeah, that's fair. That's fair comment." Problem is, Twitter, bloggers, <laughs> bloggers, um, get them. Some press would would find a way to twist that into something so, that Stuart Hogg's chucking his teammates under a bus or whatever. Yeah. So Phil, to answer your question, right? Why am I obsessed with this learning thing? Because I think it's arrogant. I think it's incredibly arrogant to say, "Oh yeah, the reason that we lost is because." Um, because we need to do do more learning. We need to sit down and learn a bit more, and then we would have won. The, the reason you lost is because France were better. Uh, and it's okay for them to be better. And it's okay for you to say, uh, we were beaten by a better team. We uh, we weren't good enough. But like Andy Farrell said in his post-match interview, I'm incredibly proud of what um, of what the lads put out there. Now, I'm not sure Andy Farrell should be that proud of what the lads put out there. <laughs> but that's a far less arrogant thing. It, it, you know what? It reminds me of when NFL players... When they try and be humble, yeah, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. What, you mean God likes you more than everybody else? Because that's not particularly humble. Uh, that that That's why. Because when you say we just need to learn more, it's as if the only reason that you lost that game is not because your opposition was ace or they beat you up or whatever. It's because you didn't put in the book time. It's, it's interesting that that's your takeaway. Because that's not... So I, I, I do take umbrage with the, oh, I'm just blessed kind of approach. Because that is... That faux humbleness just comes across totally as arrogance. I just, I just don't see that from the the learning point. It's you can say France are a better team, and and Hogg didn't go as far as saying that, but you can say France are a better team. But we are going to learn from this, and we are going to get better. Yeah, I, I just find, I just find that that this you you making that distinction so clearly and so. Uh, because irately, he, because quite he's interesting. The, because he's the be captain, honest. right? Because he's the captain. It's about leading, not not. He should know the answers. So there's no yeah, but, same as the coach. The coach needs to know the answers. If the coach says that we're that we're still learning, get rid of him. But there's there's something there in that as well because I I and Eddie Jones is the master of this. Um, I fully expect what they say to the um, the interviewers, no matter how hard the interviewers press them, and what they say behind the scenes are two totally different things. Mm. And and. Um, in some circumstances, so they should be. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I just, look, I, the reason I, I get, I write about this is because it's accepted as okay. And now, and now, hopefully, I've brought this to everyone's attention and it will never be said again. Plat- uh, it's. <laughs> I don't blame the players for this because as I explained, the consequences of being honest are by people that aren't true rugby fans. It, uh, 
it sometimes backfires. But so as a result, sometimes we get platitudes. And I think Stuart Hogg will have probably meant what he said. We, we're going to learn. We're going as in we'll go and look at the game tape and we'll improve for next time. Yeah, he meant get better. He definitely meant. He meant. He meant. That, that's what he'll have meant. Yeah. But it. I understand what you're saying. It, it can come across as a platitude, and you get a lot of platitudes now because people just don't want to say something which can get taken out of context or twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for the record, I'm perfectly happy with what Stuart Hogg said. I, it, it, it's more a, uh, and I understand it. He was, he, he was upset and it was a tough loss, but just kick better, Stuart. Yeah. That, that's probably the biggest takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to kick better. Uh, just, just on the way Scotland play. One thing we've talked about Gregor Townsend, Scotland sides over the last few years is how much he's evolving the attacking play. Do you not, I think there's been a marked change in the last few games from Scotland. And I think it's to do with their centre combination, but they're very, very solid defensively, but not nearly as potent mm. in attack. Well, there might be someone missing from attack that makes them tick. Maybe. Or maybe a couple of well, options, Hastings and Russell, but yeah. I mean, what what Scotland in that last 10 minutes, what Scotland would have done for some fin sanity? Fin sanity. You push the button. Yeah. I know either, he's been either, either that or on. either that or get Finn Sanity on to play for France. <laughs> to chuck a to chuck a three yeah. miss pass. Get me Finn Sanity. Which shirt? <laughs> that, imagine that. Imagine how humiliating that would be for Finn Ross. What you don't want me to win the game for No We lost the toss. Go on. <laughs> how Finn, how many beers have you had? <laughs> that's gonna de- that's gonna determine which team you play for. Two? Oh right, that's fine. You can come you can come play for us then. No, no, two and he goes to France, five and he plays for us. That's <laughs> <laughs> when he's at his best. Yes. <laughs> but the, the the attack, Phil, I don't know what you thought, but it's it's not Scotland don't look as dangerous as they did. And yes, Finn Russell, no. Adam Hastings. But I also think while they've sort of taken with one hand and they're given with the other, their defence looks really good. Yeah. yeah. And, and Townsend said, he alluded to this after the game, he said, um, we want to be more than just uh, a difficult team to break down and a difficult team to beat. And that that's, that's where they were in this game, these last couple of games. Um, they've been kind of very stable and solid but not exciting and it, it might just be as simple as going from um the uh, eccentric um Finn Russell to the very solid uh, Duncan Weir Tell, it just, might just be that simple a word mm. on, a word on Duncan Weir a player who I pretty much thought was finished on the way to Worcester um seems to just completely reinvented himself it shows the value of Finding a uh, a different environment to go and work in, I think the Premiership suits him far better than than the Pro Fourteen. Um, he is not Finn Russell. He's probably not even Hastings, but I think he's done a great job so far. And he was solid and dependable. And while he didn't create that spark going forwards, he, I mean, he kicked five from five, including a couple of fairly tricky penalties. Yeah. So that. You can't always turn your nose up at that kind of um, stability. No, uh, considering he's not played a game in his national game for like two years, they uh, they drafted him in. I think he's done really, really well. He should be very, very proud of what he's achieved in the last in the last what 160 minutes. Agreed. France yeah. France weren't great, um, but they did enough. Scotland, no international team deserves to win if in the last like 10 minutes of the game you mess up two key lineouts. you give away yeah. some stupid penalties. I think three or four, four stupid penalties in the last 10 minutes, and then you miss touch on a penalty. Like, They'll learn. Uh, it's international rugby, so yeah. That, 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 that's the learn. 
Yeah. Win your lineouts. Don't kick the ball dead, and uh, and don't give away silly penalties. There you there's, go. There's a whole degree course. You there. needed to, you needed that eighty minutes to have learnt that lesson. <laughs> Those lessons couldn't be learnt without. <laughs> you, you could have learnt it prior to the game. No. Could you? How would they know? How would you ever know that unless you played? It? Unless you lost an international game first. At yeah. least, at least now uh, Stuart has said they've learnt that they're never going to do it again. Yes. Yeah. And if they do, fire him. Yep. <laughs> there, there, there's no excuse to keep it around, is there? And maybe I should flip it around. France have clearly learned. They didn't know before the game in March that if, if one of your props punches the opposition player and gets a red card, that makes it harder to win. But they've learned that now. And it's a learning episode. And they've put it right. I hope they don't forget yeah. any of these lessons ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the games next weekend then. What we got? Uh, uh, so, we've got... Uh, Wales, on... England. Well, on Saturday morning, we've got Argentina versus New Zealand, the repeat yes. of last week last week's heroics. Now, you guys are England fans. Are you? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not really a fan of anyone, um, particularly in the in the international game. Well, no, I, I you know I like France, but you guys, you're slightly more you're you're more invested in, in into the international game than I am. Would you sacrifice an English win for Argentina to beat the All Blacks again? No, not no, against Wales. No, you stingy, no stingy man, stingy. <laughs> Albeit that this one doesn't count. Like if if Wales beat England next weekend, it doesn't count in the way that a Six Nations Wales in Wales beating England game would win. I don't it, know. It wouldn't feel as painful, but it would still hurt a lot. So it would, no, it would. It would really hurt because it would mean that. Um, well, <laughs> depending on the other results, it would mean that England don't get to play France. Oh yeah, yeah, that would hurt. So, and England and France are the two best teams. They're the two best teams in the Six Nations. They're the two best teams in the Autumn Internationals, and they should be playing each other in the in the final weekend. Let's hope there. Let's hope that. Well, oh, England could lose and still play France. Yeah, they could do but, depending but... on Ireland's result and uh, yeah. points difference and all the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, quirky. Um, are Fiji done with this tournament now, or could they maybe play one game? No, Scotland are going to chalk up a twenty-eight nil win next weekend. Yeah, so I've seen that that one's cancelled. But you know, so Fiji finished last. Who who has the pleasure of Georgia? Playing? Oh crikey! So they could they could potentially have been beaten up by all sorts of people, Georgia, and then go and play Fiji in a in a, in, a, in a sort of loser bowl and lose again. Yes, with Fiji only playing one game and getting a win, it, unless that uh, I've not heard that that. Fiji Georgia, which is looking the most likely. I've not heard that that is um, well. How definitely on. off or definitely happening? Oh yeah, because Italy are hardly gonna. Well, they've already won against Georgia, haven't they? No, they're different pools. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, Italy Fiji. Okay. Hang on. So Italy Fiji. So George. Yeah, no one's gonna come below Georgia. Very unlikely. No, no. Uh, Georgia would have to beat Ireland by a significant. Uh, Amount of points, yeah. Fingers crossed. Which is not going to happen, <laughs> right? No, yeah. that isn't going to happen. So we've got uh, Argentina, New Zealand, f- at eight forty-five a.m. kickoff. That's good, good time. Uh, and it's oh yeah, it's the home game, but it's in New Zealand. Awesome. Yeah, just, that, that's what confused me. Argentina's name was first on the fixture. Uh, right. Okay. Um, New Zealand. It's, it's actually in Australia because they're, ah, okay. they're, they're playing. They're playing all the fixtures in Australia, rather than. Um, some horrible, gotcha. uh, dirty foreigners travel to New Zealand. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, and then yeah. Um, Let's not go there. Yeah, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> could open up a horrible can of worms. I My would worst. say it and you, I could get very, very angry. I'm feeling quite but, lucid at the minute. It's quite nice just talking about rugby and not thinking about all of that. Anyway, um, does anyone see Argentina repeating their heroics? No, uh, no. Three no, on the bounce. That's just phys- just that's really hard. I mean, I would. I'd I would love to see it. I'd give up ten years worth of Wales wins to see him do it, but no. You'd give up ten years worth of Wales wins just so you'd have, a, a, you know, a, be able to have a good moan every Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, af- I'm afraid New Zealand are going to win that one. Yeah, I think you, I think you might be right. And then, and then, yeah, obviously the early kickoff on the Saturday we don't have now. Could have been a super Saturday. Uh, yeah, so that's Fiji Scotland. But, uh, yeah, fine. And then the next one, four p.m., which is. Wales, England. England. I mean, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, because Wales will bring something. Sure, I mean, surely to God they must. Um, they've had a week off to rest. And I, I'm trying to think of positives for Wales. Um, they're notionally at home. Uh, yeah, they're going to lose badly, I'd say. 20 points. I, I expect England to beat them in more convincing fashion than they beat Ireland. And they beat Ireland fairly well. Scoreline score probably flattered Ireland, didn't it? Yeah, which was part of the part of the thing about what we said before around the way that England wanted to play. Mm. They were happy, just happy playing without the ball, letting Ireland play and run into brick walls. I mean, I'm trying to think of where Wales get any sort of advantage, really. So if we look back at the Ireland-Wales game, and Ireland soundly beat Wales... You look at the props and the front row that they picked. I mean, I don't see that front row troubling England one bit. Where they're probably strongest, their best player, Alan Wynne Jones, if he even is their best player. Uh, you know, Atoji. He, he ground James Ryan into dust at the weekend. Now he can he can maybe. Paste, this is paste. like the 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 kind of pack leader, alpha male, head of the head of the pack. Or head of the pride, yeah, Alan Wynne Jones, and then the young buck just strutting in across the across the Sahara comes in and says, "Come on, then, me and you, Sahara. let's Sa- go." Savannah, or Savannah, that's Savannah. the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and then I just don't see where Wales can get a bit can get a look in. Marutoji really. is a freak as well. He's, yeah, he's so good. Maybe Wales have a better scrum half. I'm stretching. I mean, they do have a better scrum half, but you know, it's not going to make the difference. They're in Wales. They're playing against England. It will not be a beatdown. Why? Because they're in Wales and they're playing I mean, against gotta, England. You got to remember, I, I I spent best part of a decade watching England smash Wales. As, oh, as a kid. those days were and, good, and it, it didn't actually matter where the game was played, mm. except Wembley. We did all right at Wembley. Nah, I, I mean, this this that. Wales team has still got. A load of it's still got a load of lions and a load of players who have repeatedly beaten England. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, if they win, it feels like it's going to be a bit of an aberration, a bit of a dead cat, a dead cat bounce. But who knows? It might be the dawn of a brave new world. I doubt it. <laughs> England, England's win by twenty. Narrow England win. I Narrow. St- come off it. I said England by ten against Ireland, um, and I was one point out. From that's that. not, that's not a narrow win. I said England by two scores and then said 10 points last week. Listen to the podcast. I got it right. Okay. Um, uh, pretty much. Uh, I'm going to go for England by 
I'm going to go the same, England by 10. Yeah, I think England are just going to employ the same tactics, as in let Wales have the ball, suffocate them. Yeah. Um, I don't think England are going to try and play a lot of rugby at all. So I don't think it's going to be a big score, but I do expect England to do enough to win. You by, England by seven. You can't help but think, can you, that if England tried this on with a Gatland team, with such an obvious tactic coming to Wales, they would potentially come unstuck. I cannot yep. see in any way a Pivot-based team being able to match up to this. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. This is where Wales roll back the years with Alan Wynne-Jones and Liam Williams and Halfpenny and Bigger and Jonathan Davis and Gareth Davis and Tips and Faletau and all the boys that have done it so many times before. Mm. And they do oh, it by one the last way. time. That tips knockout was horrendous. Yeah, uh, I was amazed when he got got a yellow card. Absolutely astonished. I I, I thought that was handled well actually because it, it was in my mind there was a sudden change in height. I don't think I didn't think it was particularly dirty. It just as tips is going down, he gets clocked. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, you are right. He does get clocked, but it's more the fact that there was. I don't. I, I did feel that there was enough there. For a red with the, with the swinging arm, from the first angle, do you think I, I can't even, you can't even see how it happened? From the reverse angle, it does look a lot worse. And it look it looks bad because it's it is a brutal knockout. Yeah, yeah, agreed. You've you've changed. You're desperate to give out red cards now, Jay. Card them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we're all going England win then, uh, and then the final game is eight pm France Italy. Uh, Saturday night Saturday night games eight pm didn't feel right. Saturday evening, Wales. It feels okay, France, on a Saturday night. It's absolutely fine. In fact, it should be encouraged. France, Italy on a Saturday night sounds all right. It does. I like, yeah, I like a late um, evening kickoff. I'd like to be. Um, I'd like to be watching that in one of the many Irish bars in one of the many um, Mediterranean rugby cities in France, which we're not allowed to go to. Which we're not allowed to go to. Brilliant. That's where I'd like to watch it. As long as, as long as it's not Marseille. Yeah, 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 absolutely correct. Yeah, as long as it's anything but more say. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, is, there is also on Sunday, two o'clock, Ireland, Georgia. Meh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So yeah. France win, Ireland win. Good. Yep, excellent. Yes. Great. And that wraps up this podcast. We have got another podcast coming in your feed. Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, and that will be dedicated to domestic rugby. You might have also noticed uh, recently there's been some brilliant interviews that JB's been doing. Superb interviews. Uh, with Saria McGeek and with Rob Baxter and most recently with David Flatman. Those are in the feed as well, so give those a listen. And for more interviews just like that, including Northampton scrum half Henry Taylor, who's got a very, very interesting story, uh, make sure you subscribe to uh, the Rugby Dungeon as well. How do you know he's got an interesting story? It's not out yet. Well, okay. Uh, Henry Taylor, who we know yeah. nothing about, and, um, but you will do soon. C- could be really boring, could be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know, don't judge it until you've heard it. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, so the Rugby Dungeon for that one, at Jay Beardmore. Uh, if, if you want to see a man occasionally getting very, very frustrated at... Uh, life. At life and politics. And I'm I'm going the same way on Twitter as well. I'm at Cocker. It's a good, Phil's got the best idea possible, which is to have a... An anonymous silent account where he can just lurk and watch from the sidelines. Sliding to DMs. (laughs) We're at Rugby Podcast. Right. See you on the next pod. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 